0: Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Claire Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go! From the Talks and Tasting Studio, I'm Bull Hagan. I'm Berg. And, and I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. So, uh, how's everybody doing? in the dream. I got my iced coffee, my Americano. I got a, a grapefruit, sparkling water. What do you got, Vicar? Water. Water. I got an extra one if you want a sparkling water. I might take you up on that. This is the, the the Aldi cheap version, which is just as good. Right. But I found a new sparkling water that I like a lot. Okay. The Splendrift. Have you ever had that before? No. It's got like sparkling water, but just like a little squeeze of fruit in it. Oh, neat. It's good. So, uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm uh, fighting through some things right now. Mm hmm. So, you know how I, I joked that one time that I, um, was eating like the Martian. Yeah, yeah, the potatoes. Yeah, I think I'm starting to look like the Martian in some ways because I've developed, I went to the doctor today, I have what's called uh, chronic idiopathic eudicaria. Okay. Um. Which is uh, uh, hives that you don't know where they, why you have them. <laughs> okay. So uh, the doctor said, don't, wor- don't worry, these actually usually resolve uh, on their own. Um, uh, within uh, two to five years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, gosh. No. So,
0: well, as long as we're thinking short
1: term, I mean, (laughs) so, uh, well, you got to stop wearing that tight clothing. It looks like one of the common triggers here is tight clothing. Uh, That's my downfall. Exercise Uh, and heat (laughs) and alcohol. (laughs) Yep. So, although you haven't been drinking alcohol for a long time, well, I haven't been drinking beer. Oh, oh, okay. Wow. Like Remember, to, we've
2: talked about his tequila stuff. I know, but yeah. like, why don't we have it on the show t- anymore
0: then? Uh, I don't know. Because we're, we're meeting in the middle of the day or in the morning lately. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Because <laughs> tequila has no... It's made out of agave. A fruit, basically. So, So you're dealing with more issues. Yeah, more, I guess. I don't know. It's not necessarily an allergy. It's just your immune system is amped up. Okay. And it's attacking. So it's like an autoimmune sort of deal? Uh, Yeah. I don't know if it's autoimmune even. It's just
1: uh, your immune system is crazy. Right. It's just, you
0: know, shooting friendlies. Friendly fire, right? Yeah. Friendly fire. I like that. So so I'm on some uh, some new uh, today, some new... uh, um, antihistamines, and it's making me feel a little lightheaded. So so this is going to be a great show, then. Right. And how are you doing, Vicar?
3: I'm doing well. I'm happy to get the kids back in school. They need that.
0: Did you get a chance to listen to the, your first episode? Yes. What would you think? I thought it went fine. Okay. You, I told you you're, that uh, Peter works magic with it. He does.
2: But yeah, th- once it came out, you actually sounded okay. yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're not the. Of course, even though I'm the one with the idiopathic disease, uh, you weren't the idiot that you, you know, you weren't a live person. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I like way. the
3: I like the trips we took on that one with the mushroom talk, and it was just kind of random. So,
0: yeah, well, that, that's uh, that's what I bring to the show. <laughs> yep. Yeah because uh well you were on, well you were on another podcast. I was. Yeah.
1: I talked for like an hour and forty five minutes. Peter can attest to that. So Yeah. We threw out some nice references to uh, clerical errors, so you know. Had
0: any of them ever heard of it before?
1: Uh the the host actually had, so Okay. So did you he know. say he liked it or he just said, well, I heard it I think he was being really politic, so <laughs> Yeah. Kind of like what we do. Only So not. what podcast was that, Berg? <laughs> What's that?
2: What podcast no, what was What podcast?
1: That? Uh, Can... th- it's the Godestine's Crowd. Okay. Uh, they're a group of guys, very, very good guys, uh, who talk about things like the liturgy, um, critical race theory. Uh, Pastor Larry Bean has been very good on some of that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, they, they have a lot of good content coming out, and I would actually encourage all of our listeners to also subscribe. Uh, they've got longer episodes and uh, shorter ones. Because now they're is actually. Your, oh, go is ahead. Is your
2: episode out or about to come out or?
1: It'll come out. Uh, well, this will come out on Sunday, so it'll be on Wednesday. Uh, it should
0: drop on Wednesday. So. So how would you compare the two, two podcasts? This th- that one would be when you're really, really wanting to learn something. <laughs> I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of prep work for that one, so. Oh, I see how it is. You know. So. You know. It's like in high school <laughs> when you get a new girlfriend, you try a little harder. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, you just don't make me work for it anymore, so... Yeah,
0: we're starting to sound like an old couple now, right? Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I mean, you got to bring something to the table, man. You could at least buy me Chinese every once in a while.
0: Well, this is why we can't have anything nice, Berg. <laughs> it's because whatever <laughs> there's hey, work hey, to not, do, there's... A...
1: Not, not when the vicar is in the room. <laughs> not when the vicar is in the room. Earmuffs.
0: Just say earmuffs. <laughs> so... um. So that, that's so you listen to them when you're really like serious, and then you listen to us when you've had a bad day and you need. Well, this is one thing about them that uh, I like actually about what we
1: do. What Peter speeds us up about what 1.5,
2: right? No, not any, not nearly that much. I okay. just speed you up a little bit.
1: Well, I listen to all their stuff at about one one and a half speed on my podcast, or or twice the speed. Mm-hmm. Um so that's one thing that I think they could maybe do to kind of um make it a little bit better that way mm-hmm. you know I think sometimes it's just a little too slow. Uh, and, so, and
0: part of it with, with with this is like if I get bored I just blow up the show <laughs> y- you do I mean <laughs> So have you picked up on that vicar? Yeah I think they call that carpet bombed <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'm carpet bombed with that talk. So um, so let's uh, talk about the text. What are you preaching on? I'm not pre. Neither of us are preaching. We're actually having someone uh, a guest uh, this weekend. Oh, really? Someone from uh, Pablo that they do... Uh, Is that the... Uh, Muslim. Uh, the Muslim one? Yeah. Okay. Timely. Timely.
2: Yeah. To, to clarify, it's
1: not a Muslim preacher. That's correct. You want to explain maybe a little bit more...
0: For our listeners, oh, what, it, what they it, do, they uh, they could work hard at converting Muslims into Lutheran, mm-hmm. Lutheranism. Where uh, uh, I think there's do a lot of work, like in the Dearborn, Michigan area. Mm-hmm.
3: That would make sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there are. Um, well, especially now too, with uh, we l- might have
0: a few more Muslims moving to our country,
1: or you know, God willing, hopefully Christians. Uh, it sounds like the Christians in Afghanistan have had a very difficult time. Uh, And we'll have a very, very difficult time, uh, even to the point of martyrdom, uh, with, uh, you know, the withdrawal of the U.S. military and all that.
0: And I figured, too, you hear something on the news and everyone feels so helpless, right? Mm -hmm. What can we do about this? Well, there is something that we could support to help with it.
1: So So speaking of martyrdom, uh, instead of the text... Uh, in the third, <laughs> great the- transition, buddy. yeah. Speaking of martyrdom, <laughs> uh, rather than rather than uh, preaching on Trinity thirteen, um, John uh, the martyrdom of John the Baptist falls on this Sunday, and so that that was the text that I'm going to preach on. Um, you can call it the martyrdom of Saint John the Baptist, the beheading of Saint John the Baptist. I think my favorite is the decolation of Saint John the Baptist. Yeah, you would, which mm-hmm. just means you know cutting off his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The texts for that are Romans 6, 1-5, and Mark six fourteen through 29 uh, So Romans 6, 1-5, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life." for if we've been united with him in a death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his
0: so so why do you think that is uh that was chosen for this the fact that it it uh saint saint john was addressing sin ultimately for which he was beheaded because uh or the fact that he in a sense was buried with Christ or is it about baptism as the one who baptized i think it is when we look at the life of John the Baptist
1: in Mark six fourteen through 29 uh, how he was able to preach very boldly to the sin of his day, and how he was willing to suffer for it, uh, in, in a way that seems very foolish to us. Um, when you speak truth to power, uh, usually you don't try to get murdered. Right. Uh, so John the Baptist is very bold in a way that we are not bold, uh, and he suffers and he dies for it. And so what is the hope? What is the consolation there? What gives a man the strength to be uh, a witness in this way? And it all comes back to baptism. Mm -hmm. If we actually believe what baptism does, if we believe that we are already dead in our baptism, that we have died to sin, that we have died to the law, uh,
0: we are free. We have nothing more to fear. A beautiful example of that would be uh, Peter, what was he like uh, before Jesus was crucified? I mean, how did he react, for example, when they came to arrest Jesus? picker he drew a sword. Mm-hmm. And then when they he asked him a little while later, you know, uh, aren't you one of them? <laughs> he denied it three times. Three times. And then after he witnessed Jesus' death and resurrection, right? Literally, what this passage about? Buried with Christ and raised with Him, and he saw Jesus die- dead, and then he saw Him alive. Um, and then with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, all those things, he went from that fearful guy to not being afraid of anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the word that's used there, and I I talk about this a little more at length on the Godestine's podcast episode I was on. It's uh, paresia Right, this boldness. That's how usually the ESV translated it mm-hmm. is boldness. Really, it means free speech. It means pure, unvarnished speech. Christians are the only ones who actually have free speech. We are the only ones who can, spree- who can speak freely to this uh, without fear. And we can even speak in joy as we are being persecuted and slaughtered. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, and it's funny too, like to take this term and to Push it back into its history, like its Greek usage. Uh, this was a something that was used a lot by the Cynics. The mm-hmm. Cynics were philosophers, and a Cynic was a dog. They were nicknamed uh, the Dogs. Uh, it could have been because Diogenes uh, first started teaching in a place, you know, that had that same sort of name, or it could also be used as a term of abuse because they believed that these men were shameless. And there were a lot of cynics, actually, in the Decapolis, very close to Galilee. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think, too, that the two demon-possessed men were probably cynics, uh, because they you know, believe that— um, I think
0: you're just being cynical.
1: Well, and yeah. And so that's actually where we get our modern-day word, right? Cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from this sort of mocking the world. So that's actually where we get it from. It's not necessarily— directly from these philosophers, because these philosophers believe things that we believe um, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They believed in free speech, Uh, uh They believed in—they um, defied social conventions. So, I mean, there's a lot of things about the cynics that uh, I can sympathize with. The thing is, is that they're missing Christ. And because they're missing Christ, they can't actually speak freely. And instead, they kind of degenerate into these these animals, Mm. These people who, um, can't rise above their, uh, their natural corrupted nature. Um, so it is interesting how baptism not only kills the old Adam in us and brings forth new powers and, uh, new faculties and the like, um, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But it also, it frees you up to speak freely. It frees you up to have joy. So that way they can take all these things away from us and we can still be joyful. I mean, isn't this what Luther's mm -hmm. hymn is all about, right? Right. Like, and take, they our wife goods, fame, or, and take, they our life goods, fame, child, and wife. And I, this is why I love the older translation better. Let these all be gone. They nothing yet have won. That is the sort of mentality that we have to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is something, too, that Christians um, struggle with because we obviously uh, don't think very much about our baptisms because if we did, if we truly knew the power and the comfort of holy baptism, um, we wouldn't pull our punches when talking to our neighbors. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't pull our punches uh, in society because we care more about their feelings, we care more about the politics of the whole deal, Mm -hmm. than we actually care about... Them and God. Because that's the thing. John the Baptist says what he says to Herod, uh, not only because he cares about Herod, but because he cares about God. Mm-hmm. He cares about what God says.
0: That, that goes along with our, our discussion when we talked uh, recently about ordination and how sometimes a pastor has to say things that may not be popular or do things that are not popular, mm-hmm. but he's bound to God's word.
1: And I think that's one thing where preachers, you know, you have such a love for your people, which is a good thing, right? But that is the second table of the law, loving your neighbor as yourself. Oftentimes we forget about the first table, mm-hmm. that we are to love God above all things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means speaking things, even when you know it's going to push people away. But there there also is... Uh, because I think the temptation is... is you know, and you see this with the uh, the church growth movement, right? They are so invested in getting people in the door that they're willing to dilute the message, right, in order to keep them there. And that is always the temptation. You can't put you can't pit the two uh, tables of the law against each other.
0: And then, but part of that too is is when when you look at uh, um, the kinds of things that Paul does, he doesn't pull any punches. At the same time, he might word things in a way to bring them along not doesn't go out as a way to offend people.
1: Right. And that, I mean, that that's being sober-minded. Right. Right? I mean, I'm not saying you should go out and, like, smack your neighbor with a Bible, like my confirmation kids always talk about. <laughs> um, but you got to call a sin a sin. Right. And you have to say, look, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, because it's not. Uh, you have to confess there is only one God.
0: Man, you're on fire today. Is this what you talked about on the podcast? Is that oh, right? a little bit? You're still falling back on your your research from you know hey, that that, this is, this that is, hot new uh podcast in your life. This is uh, double dipping, man. <laughs> so
2: yeah, I'm still going
0: to give you the silent treatment for a while. Peter, Peter, listen to it.
2: You know, I mean, I was I was in the room, uh, so. so it doesn't mean I, I didn't text Peter. To I did
0: text Peter. He, he, he said we had text about something else, and he said, "Yeah, he's still on this podcast." And I said something like. Do you think this is a podcast that Berg secretly wishes we were?
1: <laughs> they both have their uh, their good things and their bad things, right? That's right. <laughs> so different audiences, different personalities. Mm-hmm. Right. So that one's more of an interview show. So they're not going to get the sort of uh, back and forth.
0: Although I do like the interview once in a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: well speaking of didn't you didn't we get some feedback on uh... yeah Hannah had a comment on uh, the episode uh, bro talk with Jace um, and read Peter can you read that for me yeah sure
2: um, she said uh, I heard from a pastor friend that he found the bro talk with Jace episode very enjoyable uh, further conversation with him causes me to wonder. What differences do you two find talking with unchurched folks versus Christians of different denominations? My friend said that, for example, it's more of a battle trying to talk to an ex-ELCA person about the Lord's Supper than someone new to the faith. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I completely agree with that. Um, I actually find it um, I well, it's interesting because I think there are levels here of Mm -hmm. uh, I think some of the hardest people to have. To talk to, to talk about some of these things, especially these things that they don't agree with, are actually uh, some of our own church members. Right. Um, I sometimes that is the most difficult to accomplish, and then you know on a le- lower level, um, I I met with a bunch of my friends, my college friends, for a guys' weekend. Uh, we've been doing this oh I don't know, for over ten years now, um, and you know we can have some really good conversations, but. Once again, you come up against these, uh, you explain your point, uh, but they, they're they just, they don't let, li- you know, there's no, it doesn't penetrate. Right. So, for example, when, uh, you know, when I'm talking to the Roman Catholic about, um, about the church and uh, he says, well, you know, wouldn't Jesus have established a church? Mm-hmm. And what does he mean by that? He means a magisterium right? He means a pope. He means um, a physical, personal office, right? Rather than uh, the confession of faith, the ministry uh, that comes through the gospel, which and, is...
0: And when Vicar talks about the church, he does this thing with his fingers, or he's, you know? Oh, yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> the church. doors and see all the people. Yeah.
1: So, um, but yeah, no, I actually think that uh, talking to people who have never uh, encountered the Christian faith uh, can actually be some of the most fruitful
0: stuff. And part of, part of it is is, I'll be honest, part of the difference in, in talking with them is me too. in the sense of,, um, you're always on your guard and guy guarded a little bit because you don't know what kind of baggage people might bring to the argument. But if it's someone who's just you know outside of the church, outside of all those things, and they're kind of an open book. You're talking them because they're to somewhat interested in what you're saying. You're not worried to say, "Oh, this person's gonna get mad and leave the church," you know. You're not.
1: Yeah. I, well, and then I wonder too. Should we be afraid of that?
0: No, we shouldn't.
1: You know, should we? I mean, because I don't know. Because that's mean, what
0: that that is. Speaking behind the collar, that is something that's often hold over pastors' heads. You know, right? You know, and I and I know we are because.
1: We don't want to see anybody leave. No, And we want to be able to teach. The thing is, is, are you willing to listen? And I think that's really where it, you know, because I think oftentimes we all build up these sort of sandcastles in our minds about like, you know, what we think Christianity is uh, and who we think Jesus is. And it's not always right. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh there's this cliche, you know, um, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, right? The problem is is it's only partly true. Yeah, you know, there, there's
0: God's th- times where God showed some some hatred towards sinners.
1: Well, and he even says it like in Psalm uh I think it's Psalm five, right? Where he abhors the bloody and deceitful man, he hates the workers of iniquity. Um, God actually does hate the sinner. Why does he hate the sinner? Because of his immutable, holy justice. And what do you do when you separate the sin from the sinner? You're ultimately making the person not culpable. Mm-hmm. God actually does hate the sinner, but he also loves the sinner. And so how is this? how, how are these two attributes, justice and love, reconciled?
0: Well, the well, well, way you can see that is, is uh, you know, he hates the sinner. But the sinner generally usually has food to eat, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. well,
0: and, and is cared for. Well, and I mean, obviously,
1: justice and and love are reconciled in Christ. In Christ, right? Mm-hmm. In that His beloved Son uh, becomes sin for us and suffers all of the pains and hell, you know, all of the pains of hell that we should have suffered. Right? That is how the justice of God is satisfied.
0: And anyone who is outside of that. Uh, is hated by God, and rightly so. Martin Luther preaches preaches the cross often that way, is that the cross should terrify you because this is what your sins deserve apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked a lot about that, and, and, and that's how I preach it often too. Is right. if And, you, the, you, and you... the
1: cross at the same time simultaneously comforts you mm-hmm. because it's not just a sign of God's justice, but it's also a sign of God's love. And we must hold those two things together— Perfectly. Otherwise, we think, you know, well, well, you know, God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. Uh, yeah, he does. Because if he didn't want to, uh, he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? His justice actually demands it. And at the end, on the final day, we're going to see how much God's mercy trumped his justice in this life. And how many chances he gave everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it is, uh, once again, you can't be more merciful than God. Because he's already given you his
0: son. (laughs) And not only that, but his son is living and reigning for you. So getting back to the question then, Mm -hmm. since I am the one who always stays on track, as we all know. um, And I lost my thought. (laughs) Um, Oh, oh yeah, my, my thought was this. For me, regardless of who it is, is uh, the easiest, the thing that makes it the most, the easiest is if, if they accept and understand that the Bible is the word of God, that's generally, especially if they're coming from whatever religious background, you know, if someone's Catholic and they're, I'm talking with them and they accept that the Bible is the word of God, it's really easy. It doesn't really get very contentious. Mm, I would disagree,
1: especially if they're a well-trained Roman Catholic, because then they'll say, yeah, the Bible is the Word of God, but we also have tradition.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but I guess my in my discussion, I'm thinking of maybe new member classes where there, there is a kind of desire to— See,
1: they're already halfway in the door to that. Yeah. I mean, you know.
0: Right. So, but, but at the same time, a lot of times, you know— we're dealing with someone, of, or even of our own church, and they would agree that the Bible is the word of God, that's when it becomes difficult, because then they do struggle sometimes with something that just doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah,
1: and uh, and this is why we always have to put ourselves under the scriptures. Right. Right?
0: Get rid of the baggage. What's the line I keep on hearing, that uh, the truth doesn't care about your feelings? <laughs> yeah, in fact, uh, your feelings should try to conform to the truth. All right, good discussion. Um, now, uh, last time we said we were going to get to know the Vicar a little bit more, and I don't know if we quite did that. We've got to get to know 18.0. Yes, Vicar looks very
1: excited about all this.
0: So uh, I have prepared a list of questions. Okay. This is a top 12 list. Um, uh, questions of uh, for to get to know uh, 18.0. So what do you think Peter should do, Vicar? Peter, play that intro. Enough nonsense. It's time Oh wait no, no 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 You gotta be more enthusiastic than that. Peter, play that intro. Enough nonsense. Oh do you think it was that that was good enough it, for it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Do you, th- do you think you could it. do
2: better? I, I try think like could a do full do better. on and like a baseball announcer, Peter play the <laughs> intro. Like ladies and gentlemen. Peter play that
3: intro.
0: Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's top twelve. All right, we'll, uh, we'll work we'll on it. We'll work, on, work on, it. on it. Yeah, yeah. You got the, the the tone right. You didn't get the words right. We need we need we need to get we need to get Bert here to to show him right. how it's done. Um. So these are the top twelve questions here to get to know. Uh. Eighteen 0. I mean, your
1: vicarage doesn't depend on this
0: at all. No. Right. Right. <laughs> And a copy of this will be going to the seminary, and also attached to uh, um, for your final placement as well. So good. And and see when you first get placed in in a couple of years, like a year, and a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they first Google your name, probably the first thing will come up is a clerical errors podcast, and they'll say, oh, look, this one talks about him. So yeah, this will be great. That's not terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Number 12. Vicar, um, what is your favorite podcast? Hmm. Oh, he had to think about it.
3: Clerical Errors. Okay. Is that that true? It's the only one I listen to right now. So I I wasn't into podcasts before I heard about this one. Have you listened to any since? Uh, There was a Meat Eaters. um, That's a
0: show. I'm sure you've seen that show on... Oh, were they like, chill, uh, they sit together, giraffe. eat meat, and talk about theology? That's cool. No. They kind of stole uh, that from us, though, didn't they? Yeah,
1: we should have done that.
0: The The host of the show
3: goes in these different hunting situations and likes to take some time to talk about what it means to be a hunter. and And he had a podcast episode that somebody sent to me that was about trying to tie hunting into... Uh, maybe during creation, dominion over the animals, how how they're very much interlinked, being a hunter. and Are, are you a hunter, Berg? Used to be. My eyesight isn't very good, so. No. But that's the only episode. I'm a gatherer I've... myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Better than a scavenger.
1: Yeah, that that is true. <laughs> that is true.
0: <laughs> Number 11. If your life, Vicar, 18.0, if your life could be summed up with one smell, what would that smell be? That's one of those where
2: he got it one that went straight to his brain. He's like, "Should I say that one? Yeah, probably not. Let me try to come up with something else." Yeah, what was yeah. that first thought that came to your mind? <laughs> well,
0: well, Berg grew up on a pig farm, so we know what his answer would be. <laughs> right, oiled leather, man. That's musty books. <laughs> I like that evergreen
3: pine tree smell around Christmas, and I, I also like hunting and camping and pine trees and you know those areas of the woods. But the one that came to mind that Peter picked up on <laughs> was dough <Don't> and heat urine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hunting tool, and that would just be the one I would tell people that know me just just to see their reaction. But, so can you smell the difference yourself? Yes. Really? It's 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 more pungent, as opposed to say a dominant buck urine.
0: Okay, when you when you're in high school, did you put up some of that buck urine in your neck to kind of attract the, the ladies there? Did no, I've, but I but ha-
3: I have used the concentrated gel for pranks. But okay, what
1: about the <laughs> the panther? You know,
3: <laughs> from Anchorman. Yeah,
1: sixty percent of the time it works every time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number ten. Describe your childhood in three words Pastor's kid Beach. That's three.
1: (laughs) Interesting. That's all you need. All right. (laughs) Beach. If if you wanted to sneak a fourth word in there, what would
2: it be? What
0: would that fourth word? Probably back to hunting. Number nine. Who was your most influential grade school teacher?
3: Hmm. Hard to remember
0: the names. all right, number eight. <laughs> number eight. Moving on. Uh, this is a very important question. This is, your vicarage kind of hinges on this one. Okay. What's your opinion about CrossFit? Is that the bike exercise thing? What is, can you remind CrossFit? me what that is? So they have like CrossFit games where they do these uh, like deadlift, and then they'll run with, with sacks of sand and then they'll... They'll, uh, it's it's like a workout program where you, it's like weightlifting and training, but it's all sorts of interesting movements. I could see you doing that, (laughs) but I wouldn't. Okay. No, CrossFit is ridiculous. Okay. They're going to hurt all themselves pretty much. So, all right. So you're still on the fence. Number seven. Napoleon Dynamite. Yay or nay? Your vicarage also might hinge on this one. I laughed at that. I thought it was funny. Yes. All right. Good. You're starting to redeem yourself. Number six. What in life makes you smile and then angers and enrages you? My daughters. <laughs> That's a good answer. Good answer. I understand that. What? Well, I thought your daughter was great in class today. They, so. they are great. They are. <laughs> Number five. What is your favorite mathematical equation? Probably the Pythagorean Theorem.
3: Okay. Which is? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Mm.
2: There we go. So this is one that I think Berg I probably has a practiced answer on. What's Berg's favorite? I want to know that.
1: Actually, that was the first one that came to my mind, too. Mm-hmm. That's
2: your so.
0: favorite? Ah. Uh, I like the angle you took on that, Vicar. What? Nice. <laughs> I see um, what you did there. Yeah, I it was a cute answer.
2: Stop trying to go on a tangent and let him finish his answer.
1: You know I'm right. No, you know, I like I like the idea of math, but I I'm not I'm not very mathematically inclined, so
2: I'm surprised. Not not that you're not mathematically inclined, but that you don't have a solid answer. I figured you'd have some like philosophical equation of some
0: kind that is like I'll tell you what mine is. What, uh, the Trinity?
1: Because
0: <laughs> it's horrible math. If you equate the, the, persons with substance, yeah, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit's God. How many gods? One. Yeah. Yes, got that one. All right, so th- that's what my favorite mathematical equation is. You know, your Pythagorean theorem, if that is how you pronounce it, is uh, is okay. Number four. What is the largest animal you've ever killed? A moose. A moose. Mm-hmm. A was egg. it was it by accident? Was it um, a fist fight?
3: What what was the story behind it? My dad and I took a hunting trip in northern Maine, and we uh, had a bull tag, and um, he let me take the take the shot, and I shot a bull moose. Wow! So, uh, okay, did you stock this bull moose now for days? What What do you mean by stock it? Well,
1: this is this is your story. You're supposed to like okay and, and, and well, as, first and, of all,
3: and, hang on. So, so <laughs> what'd
2: you shoot it with?
3: It I can't remember if it was my 8mm Mauser or my dad's out 6 but one of those two high-powered rifles. This was when I was in high school. So tell
1: us about the terrain. Tell us about the trees and the...
3: Okay. It was logging land. Um, they open it to public hunting for the tax break. Um, they like to cut down all the pine trees and then the hardwoods start to grow up and they have these different cycles of forest in different areas. Um, we were driving up and down these logging roads and we had a guide who would get out and bugle here and there to try to attract them. And we um, came across a herd of several bulls and I picked the biggest one and, and shot it. And then he winched it up into the back of his truck and we took it to a butcher
0: now as our our resident um, uh, animal urine sommelier, is that here pronounce it? Um, uh, how h- describe the uh, like the, the bull moose urine versus a buck? Is it uh, like more of a woodsy? Is it uh, kind of a musk because i have like citrus overtones? What's the lavender? No. <laughs> musk. I would say musk. Okay.
3: They are they are in rut, so swollen necks Bloodshot eyes, ready to. It's Kind of like me and the freak factory. <laughs> That's what I call the gym,
0: the freak factory. Hmm.
1: So
3: how much meat did you get from this? Six hundred pounds plus from the butcher. Now did you eat it all, what, or did you sell it? No, you can't sell it. We no, you can't. we ate it. We shared with some friends, most likely from my dad's church. And so, do you do like? Um, burgers, links, uh Cho- jerky, chocolate mousse, more more roasts, stew, steak, burger. Mhm.
1: Cuz I'm sure it's pretty lean, isn't it? It's very lean. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of hard to cook unless you're doing like a slow cooker or something right. like that. Yeah. That's the best way.
0: Number 3. <laughs> uh, which of the minor prophets do you most resemble and why? <laughs> <laughs> You okay,
1: listeners? You should have just seen his face. It was, it was priceless. <laughs> I,
0: I never thought about it before. As as though you've thought of all these other questions, probably the animal thing. But hmm.
2: do you do you want to give us Bull Hicken? What what do you think? What's what's your opinion?
0: What do you think? Um, the,
2: what minor profit?
0: Well, he, I think he, he's Micah. So, <laughs> what do you think?
1: I'm not sure yet. He's got kind of that rough-and-tumble Amos look about him. That's true.
0: Did any of the minor prophets kill a lot of animals? No, not that I'm aware of. Number two. What is your greatest athletic feat? Hmm. Are you, like, something
3: I've done in the past that I'm proud of? or Yes. Hmm. Okay.
0: No, the, the, the things that you haven't like... done that you're
3: proud of. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Probably some of the longer backpacking trips that I took with friends and cousins. I thought we we were pretty pretty lean and mean at that time.
0: There you go. And Number one. In your opinion, how many years should separate the the use of emojis in your life and the time that you start wearing velcro fastened shoes?
1: I didn't even understand what you just said.
3: I'm kind of tracking probably somewhere around 15 to 20 years, maybe. Okay. It stops. Although it was I think it would still be kind of funny coming from say your your grandpa if he sent you an emoji. Right.
2: I'm thinking more than that. I'm thinking 30 or 40.
3: Okay.
1: So, do you understand the question yet, Bird? No, I have no idea what you guys are even talking about. You know what an emoji is, right? Yes, I know what an emoji is.
0: So, at what point at what age should you stop using emojis and think of the age when you start wearing velcro shoes how many years should separate those i've got, i've got some guys some parishioners
1: who <laughs> who <laughs> probably who are close to wearing velcro shoes who use a lot of emojis so yeah but the question was in your opinion how <laughs> i figure as you get older you should just use more and more emojis i think it's
0: hilarious what, what's your opinion on ellipsis Ellipsis? I don't know what that is.
3: Dot, uh, that's dot, the dot. three three dots
2: at the, the end three of. Three dots.
0: Sounds. We had
3: a we had a long discussion mm. on these on the podcast. I think there's a it could be useful at times. Okay. So how about in text messages?
2: Yeah. So in a text, you receive a text message and it ends with dot dot dot. What is that likely conveying to you?
3: There's more coming. There's more coming.
1: Yeah. So does it make you anxious? Nah. Is it like sinister?
0: Because we had someone, Bert, would always and for when we couldn't figure out why, all his email, all his text with dot dot dot, and we we're all waiting for more.
3: See, that, that's what I thought. You're waiting for more. Yeah.
2: But then more never came.
3: I like to just give the thumbs up emoji and just say, "Yep, thanks." You could use it for anything. Thank I think you. the thumbs up is
2: is exempt from emoji use. I think thumbs up doesn't count as an emoji. As far as, like, our our current number one question here, I maintain that, like, the thumbs up, I think, is, like, the only emoji that's okay in all all contexts.
0: And truth be told, a lot of times I want to put a thumbs up and I can't find it, so I just type in thumbs up, which doesn't really save any time. (laughs) Well, that's why I just
1: like other people's
0: comments. (laughs) Hey, I need to check on something real quick.
2: All right. Yep. Well, don't worry. We'll just sit here, I guess.
1: Yeah, we can keep going. Well,
2: you know, uh, Berg, I actually, uh, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day. Do you know a uh, Pastor Kilgo?
1: I do, yes. I think he just sent me a text message uh, that uh, the, well, what did he say? It's, I thought it was hilarious. Um, Let's see here. He said, uh, also, I've been blessed to have Peter of Blessed Renown in Bible study the last few weeks. That's right. So, yeah, uh, he was a seminary classmate. His story is really interesting. Um, He was actually one of these unchurched people. Uh, I don't think he was even baptized when he met his wife. Or, you know, if he was, you know, he had no connection to the church. Uh, And he and his wife started studying the Bible together, and uh, when they started looking for a congregation to attend, they were looking for two things. Um, And uh, I I can only remember one of them. But one of them was close communion. And uh, so, you know, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Um, we were talking about uh, Pastor Kilgo. Okay. So.
2: Yep. So I, I talked to him and uh, he's got this actually, we, we talk about diets on the podcast. He's got this weird diet thing where he only eats, only eats animal products. Oh,
1: so he's like one of these carnivores?
2: Yeah, so he only like he only eats meat, or I guess he can drink milk, uh, hmm. but he only only animal stuff.
0: Is, is this? I missed the, the how this got brought up. Is he someone?
2: Uh, he, I'm going to a a, uh, a Bible study of his.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I I love vegetables a lot. I mean, we actually have some beets in the uh, in the refrigerator that I'm looking forward to eating tomorrow.
0: I've been known um, to have some sick beets.
1: Yes, we know. Oh, <laughs> all the listeners know. So, uh, I don't know. I just, like, I like the idea of that. I just don't know if I could eat, like, and I eat a lot of meat. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if I could do exclusively meat. What do you guys think?
3: It would be tough. Everything else <laughs> goes well with meat. Well, if you cook
2: it properly, mm. it's not yeah. tough. <laughs> but are you allowed I to don't... season it? I wonder. Can know. you?
0: How long do you, you think you could serve, dude, like if you just ate uh, moose? It would only be weeks before you
3: would need something else to supplement that. Well, the
0: problem with me is if I yeah. just ate meat, uh, that's not esophagus-friendly food. Yeah. Especially pork. Pork just seems to, like a pork, as much as I like pork roast, it just, mm-hmm. I have to pound that down. oof So you, you should take you, smaller bites. That's true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think you would need supplements or something to to get to stay healthy. There's there's weird parts of the animal you could eat for different vitamins and stuff, but you don't want to know what those are. So
0: do you, do you ever like uh when you you hunt, do you like like take the liver out and eat it or something like that? No, but if. If you've ever seen Dances with Wolves,
3: my favorite p- scene in that movie is where he that one of the Indians pulls out
0: a buffalo liver and has him take a bite out of it right there. See, the thing is with, with hunting, I think like if I were to hunt moose, I think I would want it to be a fair fight, like mano imano. mano Just <laughs> see what happens. They that wouldn't that. be fair, man. <laughs> That's the one thing. that My, my family doesn't understand that I, I, I say once in a while. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like the... Uh, the moose in me, but uh, like I've always wanted to get into a, like a really nice fist fight, <laughs> but I can't, right? What does that say about me, Berg? I
1: I don't know. I don't know, man. I need some more of this iced coffee. <laughs> I think
0: so. Peter, uh, what else do we have going on right now uh, for the show?
2: Well, so I had this thing. You guys heard of? Uh, apparently, seminaries have this program. Uh, that I found out about recently. It's called SMP. Have you heard okay. of this?
0: Yes, mm-hmm. we've we've heard of it. It's per- quite common. Um, and actually, I would say a lot of people maybe not don't know about this as much as pastors do, or, right? Or church
1: leaders. Well, you know, they would join us on campus a couple times a year uh, for particular classes, if I remember right. I don't know about you, Vicar. Did they? Did the SMP guys ever join you on campus?
3: Um, only f- not in our classrooms or our classes. They take
0: intensive classes for a week or two. It seems mm-hmm. a few times a year. So the SMP program is uh, it's SMP stands for Specific Ministry pro- Program or Pastor, um, and it's a it's an it's a different way than the standard four year seminary program. In order to become,
1: I think a r- pastor
0: originally wasn't the
1: goal for very difficult circumstances where it would be hard to get right. pastors, and so, a lot of
0: times it would be like a worker-priest situation where someone was uh, kind of fulfilling the role of the pastor because they didn't have one. It was a long ways away. So, like, if you were out in the wilds of, I don't
1: know, Montana, and there wasn't another uh, Lutheran church around for hundreds of miles— uh, and you had a job there. Uh, this would be a way for you to keep your your employment where you are, but also serve as a pastor, mm-hmm. right? I think that was originally kind of the the intention behind it, right?
0: Right, because that was going back in the history. I think that was being done, and they wanted well, we need to find a way to get these guys ordained,
1: right? And you know, there's a lot of history that goes behind that, starting with like the Wichita Convention. And then there were some other programs like Delto, if I remember right. And then some districts had things like lay deacons. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was, I think, a way to kind of streamline and get it all under one umbrella, right? And,
0: and the word specific means then you are kind of trained to be a pastor in your specific location or locale or situation.
2: Yeah, so maybe we should get into what what's, uh, what is SMP? What's the difference?
0: Well, the, the difference is... Uh, um, an SMP program, um, when it comes to the educational aspect, it is more um, uh, a longer vicarage, I believe. I think it's a, maybe a two-year vicarage, and your training is under a pastor rather than with some online schooling and if some visitation at the seminary. Um, but so uh,
2: it looks like—I'm I'm looking at the uh, CSL website, uh, and it says that— uh, the vicarage begins at the same time as the student begins his coursework at the seminary. Um, and let's see, earlier here it says, um, the mentor ordinarily, so you have a mentor, so you have, you know, like a pastor and a vicarage supervisor, um, but it's normally years one and two, you have a vicarage. So it's a two year vicarage. At the, Starting at the beginning. Starting at the beginning, along with some classes.
0: Okay. I I you know, I I think it would be hard to to, to teach a vicar without as much training behind cuz I have some things that are assumed when he gets here that he knows.
1: Yeah, I mean we can talk about let's talk about the positives of something. What might some of the positives be
0: of the SMP? Um well, well one is it's obviously cheaper. The Bible doesn't, you know, more cost effective, you know, you know, Vicar knows it's not necessarily an easy thing to uproot your family and move to Indiana and then go through uh, sit-down classes. Um, and uh, really, the Bible doesn't necessarily say it needs to be <laughs> this kind of four-year postgraduate program. Mm-hmm. Were you ever? Did you ever consider the SMP program? I did look at it just
3: online like this just to see what was it about, as well as the alternate route program. That would have maybe allowed me to skip the languages, and because I had over
0: ten years in the parish, um, because you served as a, in your yes, as yes. an elder, yes. and you had all sorts of different leadership yep. positions in the yep. congregation.
3: But the SMP program would have allowed me to keep my job, mm-hmm. and
0: I thought that I would have a hard time. Focusing because you were. I'm he, kind of a workaholic listener. So. He was a he was a civil engineer before he went to the seminary, and that's a very time intensive job. Right. You don't necessarily do that part time, twenty hours a week. Right. So, um, so so you know, I think a lot of it depends too. Um, there are advantages, especially if you have a really good supervisor who's good at teaching. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think you know there have been apprenticeships. In the past, like in the Tennessee Senate, for example, mm-hmm. uh, early on in American history, um, you know, well, Vicar, why did you choose the residential program as opposed to SMP?
3: Was it just you wouldn't be able to juggle both jobs? No, I, I wanted the solid foundation before and the ability to be sent somewhere and not necessarily just stay where you are. I like that idea of a divine placement where you're just put to work for mm-hmm. for the purpose of the kingdom of God.
0: And
1: what do you think about the residential program? Has that really, you know, ha- being on campus, kind of living and breathing this, has this, um, has this kind of shaped the way that you think, the way that you...
3: Oh, uh, yeah. And they call it pastoral formation, mm-hmm. and that's what it is, both with your brother, seminary, students, and friends. Um, you get to even wrestle with things, argue over certain theological matters, but also the professors, um, the, the in-person, all the hands-on training with the process of a fieldwork church, helping in chapel, um, and the, the classes like liturgics where you, you focus on the aspects of the worship service. The S P will never get that. Mm-hmm. And it might not be the same things you're going to continue in every aspect, but at least you you know about it and you can respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would
1: never give up my residential time there. I mean, we did. I think most of the heavy lifting of theology that we did wasn't actually in the classroom, but it was the hours and hours that we sat around and we talked about these mm-hmm. things. Um, but
0: that, that being said, it's not like that couldn't happen in a with a, a vicar or supervisor if they're Day to day talking, but it would be, t- it would be. I think it would be a, a much, uh, see, and I don't know. I mean, you don't get the varied. I, well, opinions. and it's,
1: and the difference too is, is that it's a necessarily unequal relationship between the mentor and the mentee. When, when
0: it's seven students talking, they have to kind of be able to support their argument. They're talking as equals, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you have a, a wide range of opinions that you kind of work through. Right. Right. Um,
1: in a circuit, maybe, but it's just, it's, it would be so much harder to simulate what you get on the seminary campus. And the other thing too, is, is like SMP is a response to a very real problem that we have mm-hmm. in the Missouri Senate. And that is, is that seminary education is very expensive.
0: Can, can I let you guys talk about that a little bit more? I got something I need to check on. Yep. No worries.
1: Um, seminary education is very expensive. And, uh, if you have been reading, uh, the, for the life of the world, uh, which is the seminary's magazine, we know that, um, seminary enrollment has dropped 55% in the la- between the two seminaries, it's dropped 55%. in I think it's like the last 10 or 15 years, um, which is very problematic. Um, and so I, uh, while there might be reasons for an SMP program, uh, I still think that uh, our best bet is to actually support our seminaries, to support the students who are going there so they don't come out with mind-numbingly crushing debt uh, so that they're able to support their families and the like.
3: And so They've uh, made strides in that. They have grants and scholarships available to help. And if they didn't, I don't think as many second-career people would be able to come. Mm-hmm. They you know, having student loan debt from prior degrees. Right, which is very, very difficult,
1: and you know, for people to deal with.
3: But And that's part of the application process now is is the admissions directors have you lay out your finances mm-hmm. and, and you talk about it. Good. Now, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that there are strides
1: that way um, because that's the thing is that uh, a lot of people attack the S&P program on a theological basis, which is okay, you know, I think there are weaknesses there. There are things that can't be surmounted. Um, on the other hand, I, I do think that the real problem is primarily uh, a monetary one, you know, and that uh, if you're coming out with loads and loads of debt uh, into a, a calling that doesn't pay you a whole bunch, um, that's going to be very difficult. So, um Anybody else? I'm kind of at the end of my
3: train of thought here. What else do you have to say about it, Vicar? It seems like those SMP guys that do come have some sort of camaraderie as well because they regularly meet for these intensives together. So there's something there. Mm -hmm. Um, But without having the same, the language classes and that component and maybe things like liturgics and church history... I still think that there's part of the education you might have to make up for on your own with a lot of reading and self study. Mm-hmm. And if
1: you had a good mentor, maybe that would be possible. Um, it's just I think you know you you really can't simulate that. You know, I mean, I lived on campus, and for you, pro- seminary is probably a very different experience because you live you live off campus. Right. Um, I, but as a single guy living on campus. Uh, um, being surrounded by uh, all these guys who want to talk theology all the time. Um, it's just, it's just something you're not going to be able to to replicate very I, easily. I agree. So, um, so
3: yeah. Uh, so you're, so you're in favor of residential seminary programs. I, I, I am, but I wouldn't discount the value. There might be a time and a place where that, I think, I think I might've heard that in Nigeria or somewhere like that. There's, Maybe it was Ethiopia they don't have the time or the resources to go through the full curriculum, but their mm-hmm. need for pastors is so great they can do an s m p modified program better mm-hmm. and and it and it serves their needs um but we really should also talk about that alternate route because I think some of the older second career guys come in it's a little harder for them to learn a new language mm-hmm. and or two actually, yeah. And, and I think that perhaps that that has been a better option for them. And maybe it cuts a little time off of the seminary education timeline as well. So tell, so tell me more about that. I wish I could say more, but I, I just haven't reviewed that. Maybe if Peter brought it up, we could look at it. Well, but. In
2: the, uh, I was going to mention that in the, the little that I've read about it, from what I can tell, you get done with half of the course, there's 16 courses... And you get done with nine of the courses and then you may be certified, called, and ordained after nine courses and then the uh, remaining seven courses are done post-ordination.
1: And that's, uh, that's the SMP, right? Yep. Yep. So which I think is also problematic in that uh, you're getting ordained before you've been examined.
3: Yeah, I would wonder about things more like Pastoral theology, mm-hmm. counseling, right? Are you equipped to be in that situation in a parish? Right.
1: Yeah. I so that is, I think, one of the more problematic aspects of SMP. I can understand getting ordained after you've done all of your uh, coursework. You know, have like a four-year vicarage, maybe. But uh, yeah, I find that to be problematic. But so yeah. Well, Vicar, we're glad that you did the uh, the residential program. We're glad that you uh, worked your way through, and uh, and we're happy for you to be here. So, thanks. Glad to be here. All right. Uh, since Bullhagen is gone, uh, he left the room. Uh, I think it was all the Martian diets that he's been eating. So you know. Uh, so, thank you for listening. Um, where, if they have any questions or comments or concerns about what we've been talking about, Vicar, where can they reach us?
3: Well, they could email us at feedback at clericalerrors.org. They could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, or at Twitter at clericalerrorsp for podcast. All
1: right. So thank you for listening.
2: I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. May your hives go away relatively soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, On Twitter at P for podcast or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.